Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Hope does not disappoint. Turn to your neighbor and say, hope doesn't disappoint. You can have hope today, amen, in God. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What Paul's saying here is that as we walk in faith, that we can experience a different life. How many have already found that out? That it will not be easy, but it can be full of peace with God. It can have joyful hope. It can have a personal development where we're growing every day. And a growing awareness of God's love can happen. And a continued reconciliation and a closeness to Him. One of the remarkable consistencies that Paul has is usually when you see hope, you see faith, hope, and love. How many have noticed that with Paul? He's very consistent in that in his writings. You see that they usually, the three of them, are usually put together. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse, I think 13 even says that. But even in this scripture, it begins by stating personal faith. How many know that we have to put forth a personal faith? And the personal faith is necessary for justification. And then it says it's followed up with a response that we're saying we are putting forth faith because we are hoping in God. And we know that we won't be disappointed. But this hope doesn't list and does not exist in itself because the Holy Spirit's been poured out into our heart, the love of God. So Paul introduces this concept to us. And... When you're living that Christian life, to me it's kind of a double-edged thing. Because he demonstrates the truth of the gospel in a way that kind of stretches our thinking or our comfort zone. Because we have to keep in mind that there's a two-sided reality in the Christian life. It's two-sided. We have to live in reality and not be in a fantasy world. How many know what I'm talking about? See, on one hand, we know that we're complete in Christ. And that we're accepted in Christ. But on the other hand, we know that we're still being transformed. We know we're still making mistakes and that we're becoming more and more like Him. On one side of things, we have the status of a king. But on the other side of things, uh, on the other side of things, uh, we have a duty to operate and live as a slave. We, we feel both the presence of Christ, but yet we also have a strong pressure of sin. We delight on God on the inward side, on the inside, but how many say sometimes on the outside there's another law and there's something else happening. We enjoy peace that comes from being right with God, but we also know that we are faced with difficult challenges that test that peace. How many know what I'm talking about? Paul's balanced in this. And to me, we need to be balanced as a church and remember that there's two sides of this Christian life. That we won't, so it, when we, I think when we see that, we won't grow discouraged and despondent and in despair when we face troubles in this Christian life. How many know what I'm talking about? Romans 5 gives us some hope through this. It says, therefore, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Paul be, begins to describe How this justification, first, it affects our relationship with God. The first thing that has to happen, how many know for life to work, the first thing that needs to happen is we need to be at peace with God. 
We need to be at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that peace there means in the original, it means that there's no more hostility between us and God. There's no more sin blocking our relationship with Him. Peace is, is only possible through Jesus Christ. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 53. Peace was secured by Jesus Christ. Because it says he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. Look at this next thing. The chastisement for my peace was upon his back. So when you think about the chastisement that Jesus took, that was for your reconciliation so there wouldn't be hostility between you and God. So when you think about that, that secured your peace with God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Amen. And by his stripes, I'm healed. Um, so, so we see that that first thing is that God gives us this peace. You know, shalom, this peace is the word shalom. And shalom is actually translated a removal of chaos in your life. How many would like a removal of some chaos? A removal of some destruction in your life. Shalom is taken from the root word shalam, which means to be safe in mind, body, and estate. It speaks of completeness and fullness and focus and wholeness. It encourages us to give back. Brothers and sisters, I felt like the Lord is speaking to, to my heart that He wants to establish a culture of tranquility. A culture of peace. A culture that lives outside of distraction and, and, and being unfocused. And, astra- and establish a culture in your life of peace, wholeness, tranquility, and victory. And that peace is secured today through Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that this peace can only come from one place. Um, I was driving to church today and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Ask the people what they do for comfort. Most of the things we do for comfort aren't things that are good for us. Do you know there's things that you normally wouldn't participate in, but when you're desperate, you begin to do des- you go to desperate measures because you just need some peace. You need some comfort. You know, even people that might have a, a, a tendency of, with homosexuality or something like that, or you have a tendency to overeat. You have a tendency to, to anything that a, a relationship or, a, or, or something that, that you're, you're doing and you think, for, you, you think that when you do that, there's just like this period of calmness or something. But then it just kind of comes out and just comes back and whops you on the head. I don't want you to be condemned with that today because God didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but he came to set this world free. But we can learn to come to Him for tranquility, for peace, for wholeness, for focus, because we have been given this peace. You know, Martin Luther said this, uh, John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. This is a peace that only Jesus can give. Are you all with me? The, the, The things that this world would tell you comfort you, more money, do this, that, and the other. They don't. Jesus said, my peace. And here's the thing. This hit me one time. Jesus came to me and he said, hey, the peace I give you, the world didn't give it to you. Well, if the world didn't give it to me, then the world can't take it away. That's the way I feel about it. So get that. You know, uh, uh, Martin Luther said this. It says, since God now has justified us by faith and not by our works, we have peace with him in our heart and our conscience. 
Though not with, listen, we have peace with God. I want you to get this. We have peace with God in our heart and in our conscience. Listen to this. Though not with man and not with our flesh, nor with this world, nor with this devil. Believers have all the trials and more trials. Guys, brothers and sisters, we have peace with God. But that doesn't mean that you're going to have peace in this, that this world isn't going to attack you. That your flesh isn't going to attack you. And they're going to attack you all the more. And so we've got to find that place in God and not that place in worldly comfort. But we have to find that comfort in the Lord. Now, this access, given access by faith in which we stand. We're given access um, we're given access to God. I want to challenge you to read Hebrews chapter 9 this week. In Hebrews chapter 9, I can't get into it deeply, but write that down. I challenge you to take a look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about how there was a, how the temple was set out, and there was a outer courts, and then there was an inner courts, and then there was a holy of holies inside. We won't get into all that because it's, it's so much, but, but the people were in the outer courts, and then some other people could get in the next layer of things. But then in the holy of holies, only one person could go there once a year. When Jesus died, one person once a year. Anybody ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Amen. That's where it was at. One time, once a year, the priest got to go have access to that place. And that place is where man and God talk to each other face to face as a man talks to his brother. One time a year. There wasn't access. But when Jesus died, the Bible says when Jesus died, it got dark and then there was an earthquake. When Jesus died, the Bible says that that, 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 that curtain that was many inches thick, it ripped from the top because God started it and it wasn't something man did. It ripped from the top down to the bottom and then it made it, and it was symbolic of now, now you have access and then that Ark of the Covenant, that Ark of the Covenant was made of Acadia wood and it had gold around it. It, was, it had gold around it. And then on top of the Ark, there was a one inch solid gold plate that was pounded and beaten in fire and all the impurities were taken out. And then what would happen is the priest would put that blood on that which was called the mercy seat. And then it would, be, it would give forgiveness to the people and to the priests. And then now, usually a word would just happen. God would start speaking. Brothers and sisters, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, where it says that Jesus' sacrifice in his blood was a propitiation for our sin. Propitiation in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in. The propitiation, which was written in the Hebrew, probably what Jesus spoke, the word propitiation, which is there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, is the same Hebrew word of mercy seat in the Old Testament. It's the same Hebrew word. So mercy seat and propitiation are the same word. And Jesus Christ of Nazareth died on the cross, broke down that partition between man and God, put his blood on the mercy seat because Jesus is our propitiation. And now you can come boldly to this throne and have access into this grace by Jesus Christ. You have this access and, and this grace, grace is this. Grace is the ability to do something that you can't do. That's what, could anybody save yourself? For by grace are you saved through faith. 
Brian, can you preach by yourself? Forget it. Forget it. For by grace, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 15, that the labor he did, he said, I work hard, but, I, but it was the grace that made me an able minister. Grace, 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 grace. you got to shout, shouts of grace. Grace is what's there when I fail. Grace is there to help me sometimes where I don't fail, but then sometimes I don't make that choice right, and I fall, and grace is there to pick me up again. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll get up seven times. Grace is power to get back up. Grace is power to do things. Grace is power through storms. Grace is power through, through, through circumstances and, and things that want to destroy and take away from you. The Word says, because we've been justified or made right with God, we have access. We have peace with God. That's a benefit. And then we have access. Somebody say, I have access. Access. I have access to this grace. I have access to this grace. And I want you to get this. Everybody look at me on this. I have access into this grace. Say this with me. Wherein I stand. Don't even try to make your stand and to take a hill in your own ability. Don't even try to make a stand. And 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 your knowledge and your whatever you think you have in your business or in a relationship, don't even try to make a stand and say, I'm gonna take that hill in myself. But grace is where you make your stand. You make your stand. God really hit me to that, and he said, You tell the church, don't make a stand. In self-determination and self-will and self-ability. But make your stand in grace. And I felt like the Lord said to tell the church today. um, I felt like the Lord said to tell the church today to practice resisting the devil. The Bible says having done all to stand, stand. Practice resisting the trouble that's hitting you instead of just giving in to it. Practice resisting the accusations that assault your mind 24-7. Practice. Guys, the Word of God says in James, I think chapter 4, verse 7, it says submit your will to God. How many have a, it's your will to please God, to serve God, and to love God. Then make your stand, brother. Make your stand, sister. Make your stand in grace. In the grace of God, hunker in. Make your stand. Make your stand in that. I'm feeling God say that strong. To make your stand and to resist. I've been been where you can't resist. And if you're sitting out there in that Hit you wrong. I've been in a place where that hit me wrong too. Easy for you to say. I'm hurting, Pastor. I'm trying to encourage you today. And I know that there's times that you feel like you can't do this. But sometimes we have to do what we know, not what we feel. And sometimes we have, making a stand doesn't mean you're taking ground. Making a stand doesn't mean that you're enjoying it and you're not taking a beating. Making a stand doesn't mean that you're not hurting. 
Making a stand doesn't mean that you're not thirsty and you're not tired. It is all that. But you're standing. You're standing, therefore, in the grace. And this is a key. And rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, it is hard to rejoice when you're going through stuff. But the Bible says, whatever my, what happens, my brothers and sisters, Philippians 3, 1 says we need to rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. We have to rejoice. The Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then rejoice and thank Him that He's done it. Philippians 4, 6 says that in the NLT. The Bible says to put on the garment of praise. It's something you got to put on just like your clothes. Put on the garments of praise. For the spirit of heaviness, lift up your hands to God. Without wrath and without doubt, James says. But this goes on to say, and not only all this, but we glory in tribulation. That word glory in the Greek gives reference to a horse getting ready for a battle when the fog's there and they're setting in the timber like, like the Braveheart or the Gladiator movie and the fog's there and the people are nervous. They're getting ready to go on the battle and the horses are moving their feet and they're snorting and the, and, and, and the mist and the fog comes out. That's the reference in the Greek. Is that they know that they're getting ready to go into battle. And they're going to glory in tribulation. Jesus said in John 16. Um, These things I've spoken to you that you must have peace. Take my peace. Because in this world you're going to have troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. First Peter 4, 12 and 13 says. My friends don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange is just happening to you. Instead be very glad. For these trials make us partners with Christ, and you understand His suffering. So that you also will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed in your world or in your situation. Hang in there, my brother and my sister. Deliverance is coming. It is coming. This is one of my favorite scriptures in Psalms 84, 5-7. through This is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It says, Blessed is the man Whose strength is in the Lord. Blessed is the man. I'm reading out a new King James Version. Whom strength is in you. Look at this. Whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. How many would say that you're on a pilgrimage? Our heart, we're on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. And they go. I want everybody to say this. And they go from strength to strength. Each one appears, they're going to make it, they're going to appear before God in Zion. What this is talking about, this valley of Baca was this huge desert that was so far that it, the, it, uh, three times a year the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem to do sacrifices and stuff. Um, I won't get into all that, but there's three different times they made a pilgrimage. They made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Okay, well... Some, there were some people that lived on a certain side, and I don't remember which one it was. But the pilgrimage that they had to make, they had to go through a desert. 
They had to go through desert. And they could not carry enough water to make it across the desert. It was impossible. It was too big of a journey. They couldn't carry enough water. But what they did is they learned that they could take their bowls. And at night, after they had a long journey of walking and sweating and barely making it through the desert, they're on a pilgrimage. You ever feel like that? That you're on a pilgrimage and you're walking to where God's called you to be. At night, they drop down and they take their bowls and they dig a hole. They dig a hole with their bowl. And then after they dig a hole, they set their bowls down in that hole. Guess what happened through the night? God filled the bowls with water. And that's what it means to go from strength to strength. Don't set your sights so far out. Live in the moment, and sometimes it's one day at a time. Sometimes trying to see it all, it's too overwhelming. Just see what you need to see right now. And go from strength to strength. You're going to make it to Zion. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation oftentimes produces bitterness. Is that true? Tribulation or troubles a lot of times produces bitterness. It provokes impatience. It makes us resentful. It makes us angry and despairing. But there's something different about the way a Christian's supposed to do it. The Bible says that tribulation produces patience. It produces, tribulation produces a perseverance. James chapter 1, brothers and sisters, a lot of the, those New Testament Christians were persecuted. You think we're persecuted? They were persecuted. And James wrote where he said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of Come your way, considered an opportunity again for great joy. See, they were able to say that because they, they were going through it. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. From when your endurance is fully developed, you're going to be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, God doesn't waste anything. He's working in you what he's going to do through you. The key to this is Paul learned that through his suffering that he had to persevere and he had to face difficulties. Here's the best way I think you can say persevere. He had to face difficulties by just saying, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. We rejoice in suffering not because we like pain. I mean like pain. What is that fancy word for people that like pain? masochists or something (laughs) not one of them thank god but we know god uses these things to build our character you know faith people sometimes don't like to hear that i'm a faith person but i know that christianity there's a reality that's what i meant when i started this thing to where i said we're kings but we also are servants i mean we got to know both things and that's why faith people get knocked off their keisters when they're going through hard things because they think that everything's supposed to be roses and blowing bubbles and singing tiny bubbles 
Guys, we have to go through stuff sometimes. And I'll tell you, God either delivers you from the tribulation. We like it when he delivers us from. Somebody say, I like it when he delivers us from. But many times it's to deliver us through our tribulations. But either way, we're delivered. Either way. You know, Luke, uh, my son, I'm real proud of him. How he's been persevering and getting a job. If you're in your 20s, uh, listen up here. I, I, I know you're already listening, but, but finding your place. I, I think it's so difficult finding your place in society. Gloria and Nicole, you guys know what, what we're talking about. Finding your place is so hard sometimes. And, and, and when you're trying to find your place, when you're being diligent in applications, and, and, and you just get rejection after rejection, and you hear nothing and you, after nothing, and the loan payments are coming in from school, and, and your, uh, Luke even told me, he said, man, sometimes it makes me feel invaluable. Or, or inadequate, and, and what's wrong with me? But he said, I have to stay positive, trusting in the Lord. That's perseverance. And, and, and also with perseverance, it's working hard. It's doing some things maybe you don't like to do. Maybe it's flipping a hamburger. That may not be your end thing, but sometimes you've got to have steps to it. There's got to be steps to it. And sometimes it's, it's doing something that, that, that you may not want to do. Luke went and took a test where he's one of those Lyft drivers now. How many knows what Lyft is? All right. He, 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 he stayed perseverant. And he stayed strong. He stayed positive. And, and, and the other day he was thrilled saying, I made $104. He's not looking for a handout. He's going through a hard time. And Luke said, Man, I thought college would teach me adulting. <laughs> I thought college would teach me adulting. Young person, if you're saying that, we're not laughing at you. We're feeling with you. We really are. Uh, I thought it would teach me adulting, but really it was kind of a bubble. It taught me how to live in an educational environment, but it didn't set me up for the real world. And now I'm trying, I, I do everything I know. And then he said, and I don't want to, I got to start trying new things. He said, Dad, because insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And, but he said, I felt the opposite. But until then, Dad, I'm leaning into God. I loved it when Braden said today about how he said, lean into. Lean in. He said, I'm leaning into God. I'm leaning into family. He's right back there. He's going to kill me for all this. He's leaning into his church. He's leaning into his friends. Hey, guys, there's a cool song. You might want to write this down. I don't even know if it's secular or Christian, to be honest with you. But it's called Let It Happen by Andrea Marie. Anybody ever heard of that song? You, you people that might relate with where Luke is. You're in transition. You might listen to that song, Let It Happen, by Andrea Marie. And if you want to study some more on, on, on uh, perseverance, study Jacob's life. It's in Genesis. I'm not going to preach on him. I just want to give you stuff through the week. Man, you, you can't expect to make it just by hearing Sunday morning. i got to give you some stuff that you're doing through the week. And I've been telling you some. That's, that's our main reason. Some people say, oh, pastor, I like it when you just... Go with the Spirit. You don't think I'm going with the Spirit when I have notes? Um, 
and, and, and you know, the, the, the main reason I like to get inserts is so you got something to take home with you. Come on. You got something. You, you know, even when I say you have that access to God, the, the, the Lord was hitting me so hard this week. Tell people that they have access to God. You don't have to go through somebody to pray. You can go directly to God and get answers. Amen. So character, patience, and perseverance and all that. Um, um, man, I, there's so much on this. Um, but this patience that produces, um, tribulation produces patience or perseverance. But patience and perseverance produce godly character. I want to just kind of hit that a little bit. Here's some scripture on that. I'm not going to have time to read them. But 1 Peter 1, 7, you've got to read it. In fact, if you guys want to throw it up there, I'm not going to read it. But if you want to throw it up there in the NLT, you guys can take a look at it while I'm talking to you here. But, but this patient produces godly character. You know what? You, you know what, what, why, why patience or perseverance produces character? Because usually when you're in trouble or you're going through something, usually there's people involved. And so godly character can be produced to when you want to get in somebody's face and give them the what for. And when you want to stay angry and you want to stay bitter and you want to stay hurt. See, you're not going to be able to move forward as long as you've got those emotions and those feelings. But yet you're thinking about it. And usually what you're thinking about and what you're feeling, you got to act, that you act on it in, a, in, a, in a not a good way. So the first thing you got to do is through troubles and tribulations. You know, a guy told, an individual, it wasn't a guy, but an individual told me the other day that they they had, you know, talking about, uh, you know, people that have your your retirements and stuff. You you could relate with this. But uh, uh, a businessman said, man, I had like um, over a million in reserves. And... I, I'm tithing, I'm doing everything God's asked me to do, and I have seen those millions just go away where it's down to hardly anything. And this individual felt angry. Hey, is it, I think that's an okay response if you had millions of dollars and you're down to maybe 100000 does anybody think that's an unreasonable? You think you could do better? I mean, I, the, the church was down a few thousand dollars because February there wasn't a normal Sunday, and usually people don't make up giving. So, I mean, I was like, man, February is tough. But, and then I'm hearing somebody talk to me saying, January was amazing, but then that's why you got a good church council because they said, hey, when you put January and February together, we're beaten last year. But even through that, I'm like a wine bag. What's wrong with me? Guys, we got to, these, it, 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 it presses out what you really are. And sometimes what I see that I really am is what I don't want to be. And that's why I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's why I like this. And I want you to, can you guys throw that up in New King James Version? It says, but we all 
with unveiled faces, behold as in a, as a mirror the, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord. Look at this. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So guys, how, we're, how, how, we, how we glory in tribulation, know that tribulation worketh patience and patience, godly character, is we see the character of Christ and we behold that as in a mirror and then we replicate that. That's when God's given glory to glory. Can we work on that? As the worship team's coming, I'm going to end with what I believe is a prophetic word. What do you mean a prophetic word? It means this. It means sometimes when you're reading the word, you're just absorbing knowledge and it's maybe shelved for a different time. And you might not even think you're getting anything out of the word. How many ever read the word and like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. Don't, don't put it down because two weeks later, what you thought you weren't getting, it's going to come back to your mind and you're like, oh, I got that two weeks ago. Are you all with me? That's why we got to be consistent and diligent in that. But listen to this. That, that really hit me. That, it really hit me when it said this. It said, now hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Guys, Character produces hope. Listen to this very clearly. Seriously, this is maybe my strongest point I think I'm supposed to make today. Is listen to this. You will not be disappointed. You will not be ashamed. Guys, whenever I'm going through it, you guys that do men's ministry, when you have prayer breakfasts, Men, whenever there's a prayer breakfast, bring your grandkids. Bring every young person you can. I remember when, my, when I was a young boy and dad said as a Methodist man that we're going to Saturday morning prayer breakfast. It was at 6 o'clock at Blue Top Restaurant in Lamar, Missouri. Okay? Man, I got to go with dad to breakfast and so when I went with dad to breakfast, he would get me up, and I didn't really want to get up, but you get up, and you ride to town with dad, and you get to have breakfast. But these men would open their Bible, King James Version, and we'd start singing courses. And to this day, I find myself singing them. And one of them was this. It went like this. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I'm talking a little eight-year-old boy. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And I can still see the guy that led singing. He'd have his hand up. And he'd say, let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. 
Guys, that's Psalms 25, I think. But the Holy Spirit is in your heart telling you you're not going to be made ashamed. Ashamed is when everything's hitting you and you're going to be the laughing stock. Or it's not going to work out. And, 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 and you're done. But when we lift up our voice and we trust the Lord, let not my enemies triumph over me. You know, David said in Psalms chapter 3, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me. Many there be which rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for, God, help for you in God. How many has ever heard that in your mind? Many, 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 many. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are the glory. See that word glory again? And you are the lifter of the Lord. The lifter of my chin or my head. And it says, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all of my fear. It goes on to say he shattered the teeth of the wicked. He broke the jaw of the wicked. He went to battle for you. And it said salvation belongs to me. Salvation belongs to me. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.